Good morning and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk on J101.9 FM. It's a cold slash warm, all well, depends on what side you're sitting on. If you're second, it's a cold day. But if you're me or you're Abigail Seman, it's a warm day in the city of Joas. And it's nine o'clock here on Let's Talk. You know, Let's Talk, we give you all the current affairs issues, discuss pertinent issues in the country and try to make sense of all the things happening in Nigeria. My name is Mikhail Messi, and like you always know, I'll give you as we have them hot, hot, like I always say. But before we start this morning, um, <laughs> we have a favorite guest sort of, of ours in the studio. Before I go into all of the conversation, here are some of the stories you're following today. Governors under pressure over security vote spending, and governors have come under pressure over how they spend security votes. The federal government has barred states and local governments from operating security votes with commercial banks. Any governor who desires to deploy their security votes in cash must open a special account with the Central Bank of Nigeria specifically for that purpose. These measures are to keep the two years under close watch on their use of cash. They are in line with the general, general directive of the Nigeria Financial Intelligence Unit, NFRU, halting the withdrawal of cash from public accounts from its effects for March 1. And the federal government later granted states and local governments a reprieve to operate only their security votes in cash till May 29th. A source at the presidency said that regarding the security vote issue, they have found harmony. They have all agreed that they will maintain security votes in cash until May 29th this year, but they are not going to use commercial banks to withdraw money for security votes. All states and local governments will open specific accounts with the CBN just for security votes. In that way, of course, it will be monitored. Other news we're following this morning, subsidy removal. Marketers plan 30% gas stations seek CBN loans. All marketers have, with, have written to the federal government over their proposal to build about 30,000 gas stations to cushion the effects of the proposed subsidy removal on premium motor spirits, popularly known as petrol. Nigerians are currently counting down to the June 2023 projected dates for subsidy removal as the call for palliatives to ameliorate the impact of the halt in subsidy is gaining momentum. There are also projections that petrol may sell for about 750 naira per liter if the federal government removes subsidy by June this year. To help cushion this, oil marketers, in a letter to the Federal Ministry of Finance, also asked the federal government to make the Central Bank of Nigeria release the 250 billion naira intervention fund for the National Gas Expansion Program as loans to vehicle owner to acquire gas conversion keys. This came as the organized label stated that it was considering a meeting with the incoming government on subsidy removal date. In a letter by the oil marketers um, and received by the Federal Ministry of Finance, the marketers stated that they are ready to deploy gas dispensers to 30,000 filling stations nationwide to cushion the impact of fuel subsidy removal. These are some of the stories you're following one, they are. And with, with me this morning in the studio is Professor Ishaya Pam 
and barista Yakububa, um, two guests who um, constantly gives us, um, like, like they say on the streets of Facebook and Twitter, buzzbows when it comes to Nigerian issues. Good morning, sirs. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> before we start this conversation, I'll, I'll even do this, and I think it's pertinent I do it again today, even though Abigail is not here. And I want to address certain issues, and just my own addressing issues before the professionals come in. Um, the first one has to be the... The not letter, the letter, supposed letter by Chiman Dangoza DJ to um, President Joe Biden. And the conversations I've seen online, the the rebuttal from certain parties and from certain political parties and certain clients is quite funny. And and to not to sound disrespectful, they sound quite I don't want to use the word dumb, but yes. Um, letters like that are not to a precedent. It, it's common sense to write letters to people and post it in international publications because you want the world to know. It is not a call for a person. It is just a way to tell everybody these are the things happening. So I, can, I find it quite ridiculous and somewhat funny that people think or assume that the letter was specifically to the president. Like, come on. Like, come on. And... Let's let's be smart here. And secondly, um, there has also been back and forth um, with, with, with regards to the letter. Um, we've also heard people say things like, oh, you know, the Americans do not care about a democracy. And while I hold such opinions too, I think it is quite hypocritical of people to play down the effects of the international community in our democracy. When we constantly go out there to speak to them, remember Chatham House? Remember um, Lai Mohammed going, to, going abroad to speak to them? Remember the interview with BBC? Those, those things are just ways to show that no country, no matter how big they are, is independent of international influences. It might be direct, it might be indirect, but those people would obviously have an opinion of us. And every opinion international community has would affect what happens with our relationships with them. If you are a student of international relations, you obviously understand that perception is a major player when it comes to negotiation on the table with communities and, and nations. So I think that it was important that we got that out of the way. While the content of the letter can be argued. I think that you know we need to understand that this international body we try to abhor and we don't exactly like would obviously have an opinion, and those opinions will matter when it matters. And lastly, um, there has been a back and forth of you know between Nigerians about the interview that Professor Walesho Inka gave. And and I think that for anything, while I understand the criticisms he has been getting, some some of them I think quite unfair, I also think that we are missing the points of that conversation. While, yes, the, the use of fascism, which is it's a, it's a very heavy word to use loosely by noble laureates, I also think that the crux of that conversation wasn't so much about the fascist statements by a certain you know, political candidate, but it was more about the, the fact that Nigeria's politics has not progressed from 1999 till now, is the fact that certain issues raised about youth involvement, about processes, about systems, where, f I don't know, either we looked over them or we just didn't think they were important enough, but I think there were more important issues that we should be talking about from that conversation than the use of fascism. Yes, we, we should attack, you know, the, the mislabeling of people and movements, but I also think that there are other important things that we are forgetting to look into. And if we are not careful, and I say this respectfully, if you are not careful, whether as obedient movements, as young people, as progressives, like I like to say, we might end up in the same problems we saw ourselves in the first place. We have to concentrate, like I always say, focus. 
and don't lose that. Anyway, so I have ranted for the morning. So I have to bring my guests, the professionals in the house, to dissect the issues. I'll start with you, Professor Shia Pam. The polity in the nation. Some people uh, have said that it is currently being heated up unnecessarily. Um, the back and forth, there's a Wolisha Inca, there's a call for treason, the whole treason issued, interim government. Generally, since elections finished in, you know, in March, do you think that a policy has dies down? Do you think the conversations are unnecessary? Or should we be, I wish was scared, but worried about what we're talking about and the things happening right now in the policy? Well, first of all, um, thanks for inviting me. Um, I think we've been through this before. Every election, pre, during, and post, has always had this sort of very heated and apocalyptic um, scenario. And that just speaks to the character of uh, the average Nigerian politician. If they don't win, the whole world must be brought crashing down. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's wrong. Um, From 79, when I was uh, in secondary school, it was the same thing. When uh, the 12 to thirds controversy came, it was like the country was never going to get back to... Um, democratic rule and it took the maturity of the then head of state uh, Obasanjo to maintain uh, the momentum and to hand over um, letters you know letters were written by the late chief Obafemi Awolowo the sage where he too described after losing the election he kept talking about the country like um it was a self-fulfilled prophecy. In any case, after three years, the experiment crashed. So it's not new. Mm. The more things change, the more they it remain the same. same. And thank God, thankfully, we're still here. But I think, uh, and we use a lot of sweeping statements, nothing has changed, it's worse. Uh, look at uh, Amanda's, uh, Chim Amanda's letter. You know, things are changing. And I think they're changing for the better. Mm. Whatever the outcome of this election, for once, we can hold the electoral body accountable. At least they've put out the results from the polling units on their platform portal. And we can compare. It never happened before. So let's allow, instead of talk, uh, interfering with the process, the process has gone to court. Let's see what happens to, uh, in, the, in the courts. Uh, when these results are placed side by side with the manually transmitted results. Um, Let's pray that our judiciary um, rises to the occasion. But I think for now, everything that's going on is premature. Premature. Um, You know, preemptive. Hmm. Ambassador Bauer, I want to get your think too. Are we overheating the policy? Or is it normal that after elections, people would air their grievances, say things that some might define or call inciting? Or are we taking steps backward in our progress as a democratic nation? Well, let me say first and foremost to appreciate you for having me, even though I've been a regular guest here on this platform. Uh, I have taken, actually, let me say, uh, analyzed and also reviewed the the process, all that happened, and where we are today. You know, I always have this view. 
the reason why we have these issues, like uh, my elder brother Prof just uh, pointed out, it has been that has been the trend, and that has been like part of our culture and tradition. And uh, once we lose election, things begin to happen. But I have made a statement at one particular forum that I said the reason why we have these issues is the fact that we our process needs to be more transparent and credible. Now, where people contest election. And they have this view that the way actually the election went or was carried out, there are a lot of flaws here and there that for them, they will not accept defeat like that. They feel they want to contest that election. And simply because there are a lot of things. Let me tell you something. We had, uh, uh, let me say, we amended the Electoral Act. But there are a lot of things that we need to go back to the dream board and begin to. But you know something? We are making progress because it's gradual. And you also asked me, the question you asked me actually has many dimensions. And I don't have time, but I would have done more exposition on it further down for clarity. For instance, now, where do we have this problem? It was we got into this debacle simply because INEC did not hold on to what they said they will. For instance, if you look at what happened when, when Dino stood, when there was collision at the National Collision Center, yeah. simply because he was saying that this is what we agreed upon. That was a document that said, don't transmit this result, but it will be from the polling unit. Yes. And you defaulted, for goodness sake. Now, these are issues. But, 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 but hold on, Pastor Bauer. Yeah, go um, ahead. And you talked about it not, uh, INEC not transmitting results. Yeah. Here in Plateau State, results were transmitted. No, no, but, no. But, but, but the results were still being contest, contested in court. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is that, uh, just like what, what Prof said, I'm trying to give you one or two instances where okay. I say we need to do things in a better manner. Okay. And those are the things that actually cause all these issues. For instance, that's why I gave you a simple scenario. If you look at the documents and the, the electoral law uh, acts, as well as some of the rules that I gave when it comes to collation, simple analogy I gave you. It says that those transmission at the polling units. Yes. That was what the question we asked, has that been really complied with? No. The way it's supposed Those it are issues. Yeah. So how would people actually keep quiet? They must voice out. I'm telling you, gray areas that we must work on mm. for us to have a better process. The reason America we have all these issues is that the people that do demand the process, they are not sincere enough. Mm. The integrity of the process, we must be accountable. Now, another dimension to it is that we're making progress. But if you ask me whether the trajectory that we're in now on now the foundation concerning our democracy we must overhaul it we must review it we must rebuild it and i'm so glad because the way things are happening in this country if you look at just the concluded election it means that people are beginning to be more interested mm -hmm. that people are beginning to be to to engage our political, uh, let me say, uh, our politicians and yes. also our leaders. We must engage them, hold them accountable to the promises they made. And the reason why everybody is keen, because people are tired with the, the way we are now and the old system. We need a new regime. And that's why people, that's why you see the, 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 the nation, the polity is getting overheated because people f felt that there's a question when it comes to this election. Mm. But since the matter is in court, let's hear what will happen. But honestly speaking, there are a lot of things I wish I have time so that I can take you step by step okay. into all this. Maybe, maybe during the week we'll bring you here again. Now, Professor Shire, I was going to ask you, um, one of the biggest, I wouldn't say the biggest issue, but for lack of a better word, yes, one of the biggest issues in the Nigerian political space right now nationally has to be the 
I don't want to say idea, but it has to be the, the, the conversation around interim governments, around reasonable um, statements. Do you think, personally, that the statement by Baba Ahmed Dati, was it, was it reasonable? The talk about interim governments, is it, is it a conversation that is necessary? Is it a security challenge that is necessary? Or are we unnecessarily hitting up something that ideally doesn't really cause any security challenge for us as a people? I think the very idea of interim government at this point is is most unfortunate. And I do not think that any of the political actors should be discussing an alternative to democracy. Uh, because anybody who has lived through the military era knows well enough that the worst civilian or democratic government is better than the best military government. Three quarters of the problems we face now began during the military era. The kind of constitution we're running now was bequeathed to us by the military. And it's in such cast iron terms that it is difficult to restructure this country. So why are we talking about a system that you cannot even change democratically? I think um, Dirty must have spoken out of anger, frustration, and I think if he, in his quiet moments, he would realize that that's, it's only because of democracy that he even got to where he is. A democratic system. We went through Babengida's nine years of transition. Two parties were imposed on us. All that kind. A whole civil war was fought by military. Military intervention led us down that path. Some of us are victims of all those military mm -hmm. era uh, uh, interventions. I don't know how anybody can be talking about interim. I don't know if they, they didn't feel it or Abacha overthrew an interim government. It's one of the most fragile governments you can have. And how are you going to arrive at an interim government? Mm -hmm. If anybody says we want an interim government, ask them, okay, how are you going to arrive at it? Who is going to pick the members? Mm -hmm. What process? The democratic tool. <laughs> how are you going to... <laughs> no, 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 no. You just say, inter want an interim government. Interim government so do brought about by whom? Is it by Buhari is going to nominate them? Who is going to approve them? Are we going to vote on them? It's easy to bandy those terms. But it's absolutely impossible now to bring in an interim government in this country. Mm -hmm. Except, of course, they create a constitutional crisis. There is no elected president. And the constitution can be, we, we will have a president or somebody who will act. Either the Senate president or the speaker. Or somebody. There is a provision when there is a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So let's not go down that route. I think it's totally a distraction. <laughs> distraction. All right, but, um, but, but let me let me let me just add to what Prof actually said. You see, the issue of interim government. We're going to look from the perspective of our constitution and and constitutionally speaking, it's 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 not possible. It's not possible. I I I I just don't know, and I can't even not to imagine. But I can't remember what happened. I just had it, just dropped like that interim government but the question is this there are instances where you can say it's not even to say interim 
For instance, let me give you an example. The matter has been already have been filed. It's yes. in court now. Now, we shouldn't even talk about the... the that, that's why I try to avoid talking about issue of the case of labor or PD, whatever they filed, because it's subsidies, as we say as lawyers. But the question is that the issue of interim government cannot come at all. You can't even imagine that happening. For instance, the only scenario that I envisage, for instance, if it can happen to say acting, even at this point, you cannot talk about acting. You can't, Emeka. Do you know why? Why? From, we have it on record now. Whatever way it is now, how will you have acting president? We have a president-elect, and people are contesting that in court. It's already before. So until that pronouncement is made. So people have asked me question and said, how far is there a possibility? I say, on May 29, Tinubu will be sworn in. How will he stop that? He will be sworn in as the president, as it is now. So the only issue is that, for instance, if at the end of the day, the court nullifies the election. It's at that time we begin to look at who is going to act in that capacity to go for another election or rerun or whatever. But mm-hmm. at this point, entering government or acting, it, it can't. How? Okay, what will be the, the, the provision? What constitutional provision are you going to use now? Because like Prof said, which is like that, there are instances where we have acting, but that is a very Herculean, and let me say, possibility. Mm. Because it must be when this person is not, or this happened, blah, until to get to a point that you see acting, for instance. But the man is already president-elect. A lot of people were not, they are not that dissatisfied with the way the whole thing went, but the matter is in court. So, so at this point, you have acting, how will you have acting? So, so this is our issue. All right. Um, I was going to and both of you, are, I'm asking both of you this question because it is one of the things that a lot of people, you know, after the interim, you know, reasonable um, um, conversation, the one that has been on the front burner has to be the use of the word fascism. Um, Professor Waleisho Inka, you know, said Baba Ahmed Stati's words, we are fascists. He also, well, not in clear terms, but said, you know, the political system had a lot of fascism in it. And, you know, he also explained how prior to the elections, he had, you know, been told by his reliable friends and colleagues that, you know, there are a lot of heated conversation in the country and a lot of fascist um, behaviors among certain people and certain supporters. Do you agree that some people have been fascist do you also agree that um, ahmed baba that his comments was you know was fascist in nature well first of all <clears throat> what is fascism and when did fascism when when did it become uh where where did that political philosophy come from fascism started during the era of uh, mussolini yes and um and, and what does it mean? You know, when you exalt a nation and often a race above um, individuals or people, and, and it's, it, that is a philosophy of fascism. Mm. And it is also a centralized autocratic government. So I don't know. It has, it's headed by a dictatorial leader. Mm-hmm. And there is severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of the opposition. Those are the, 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 the major pillars of fascism. Yes. What do you see in this country now? Are we just banding that word without exactly knowing what it is? Mussolini was a fascist. <laughs> the big, I think the most popular one has to be talk about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well, yes, Adolf Hitler. Is that what we have in the country? You see, we have this penchant to exaggerate 
to make sweeping statements, mm. to reach for the biggest button or, or, or weapon to hit an ant. You kill an ant with a hammer. What is fascism in Nigeria now? People say anything they like and get away with it. The president is abused by everybody, including uh, 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 toddlers. There's freedom of speech. Our government, yes, we can say that there, you can see autocratism, you can see dictatorial, you know, and but it's not to that level. <clears throat> yes, we have centralization. I believe we are over-centralized, but we need to restructure. So I don't think we've reached that level where we, we're talking about fascism. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're even talking about it shows you that there's not, it's, not, it's not as bad as you. I, 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 you know? I, I wanted to ask, um, before I come back to Ambassador um, Bauer, do you think, and this is a, a thought that has been in my head for a while, that the use of that word was deliberate? Because, again, he's a novel laureate. He is skilled with words. He is skilled with history. He's not somebody that woke up yesterday morning and just started writing or using words. Do you think it was a deliberate attempt on his part? Or was he a... I, was, I wouldn't say it was a misplaced, misplacement of words because he uses consistently in the interview. Was he, is, he, is it intentional on his part to use that word on a nation whose democracy, some people, like you said, is progressing, maybe not as fast as we hoped, but at least moving towards some level of sanity? For me, honestly, yes, I respect Walesho Inka, but like any human being, he has his own weaknesses, and um, um, I think one of them is this... Uh, he, 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 he tends to exaggerate things, I'm sorry, with all due respect to him. Um, and I think that that word, I mean, we all speak English. He doesn't have the monopoly. the monopoly of the English word. And I've just told you what fascism is. Anybody can decide whether what Walesian Kai says is correct. A fascist government is very militaristic, very nationalistic. Do we have that in this country now? No, we don't. So why is he talking? I, should, I think you should ask Walesian Inka. Why is he using those words? I shouldn't be defending him. I don't think they have a place. Mm. Uh, in our conversation at the moment. And this is what you're referring to when you say people are overheating the system. And when you do things like that, you can easily influence a trigger-happy soldier, for example, now to begin to think yes. that it, you know, there is possibility of, of, such. of intervening. This is what happened in the 60s. Simply over the 1964 elections, Yes, the elections were rigged in the Western region. There were all sorts of problems in the country, TV riots and all of that, the regionalism and so on. But Nigeria was on a trajectory of gradual improvement. We knew that in a couple of years, maybe more regions would be created. Some of the autocratic leaders would leave the scene. Sure. Democracy is a journey. It's not an election. So if we don't evolve, America evolved over 250 years. Yes, they evolved. Why are we in a hurry? Sure. We are getting better with every election. Sure. And newer people are coming in. And let's, let's look at the, the, the let's take the, the good out of all what is happening. People like Obi have emerged and they've changed the political Mostly. landscape. We have bigger options now. Seven governors cannot go to the Senate, yet you say the election was a sham. At the state level, we can see that some of the elections were credible. Yes. 
So there was there was some credible elections. There were some that were not credible. But because of the presidential election, that is where everybody is heaping their, their judgment their, on. Their judgment on. But I think that the state state elections were better. Definitely. And we must give it to INEC. The fact that they did not transmit, as they said, uh, um, and, I'm, and I also agree with uh, Barrister that um, it's subjudice. But when you look at the constitutional provision, it is the prerogative of the INEC chairman to transmit electoral results. And he didn't say, I stand to be corrected, whether it should be real time or not. It simply says that it should be transmitted electronically. And that was done. He himself brought out the guideline that said it should be done real time. It wasn't. And we're beginning to hear reasons why it wasn't. wasn't done. Whether that is credible or not, we leave to the courts. Sure. Everybody's going to bring his evidence to the court. But to go around saying, oh, no, 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 the whole thing is bad. Chimamanda is writing letters to Biden, which, of course, as you said, is just publicity. And in such strong terms, saying that they elect every election in Nigeria is a fraud, I think is unfair to this country. And uh, sometimes people who are outside this country, who are not experiencing what you're dealing experiencing, with, shouldn't be so uh, highly self-opinionated. Mm. So I think we need uh, moderation. This is what we need now, maturity and moderation. And let the system work. I am sure that the judiciary, by God's grace, will not let us down. Pastor mm. Bawa, your thoughts? Well, well, let me say this. Uh, uh, my view, like you said, uh, in democracy, we are making progress quite all right. But what I've come to understand, and this is my view, and I, I, it's, it's just considered view after yes. I analyze this. You see, we, the truth of the matter is that we hardly do election in this country. Mm. Now, what I've come to understand this election is that, well, let me give you an example scenario. Like uh, in Lagos, like in Kano, and other places, uh, you see, if you have monopoly of violence, or you have money, or use of power, you will get your election in Nigeria. This is the view that I hold. Now, let me give you an example now. If you look at Kano states, why did I say this? Kano said, had it been conquered, so did not stand on his feet. There's no way Abba Yusuf would get that election. It happened the last, last election we held. That guy won that election. They declared inconclusive. What Concorso did, I just returned from Kano a few days ago, and I sat with some of them and had a view. Once they were, elect, they were announcing the election, Concorso said every NPP, NPP member should move to the INEC office. If you look at it on top of the roof of INEC, as you hold the ballot box, you see more than 300 persons following you. They use force. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, first in the sense that because they have, they've known that Kano is going to burn if they don't win. That was why they, at the end of the day, they gave up. You know, you know, Nigeria, to be very candid for me, we don't do election in this country. Let's forget it. We don't do election. We have to go back to the drawing board. Those areas that prophecy say, you will see, when you see a governor that has been unseated, it's simply because he could not use the power. If he had what it is, he used money and power to rig himself in. When, 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 when people stand, what I'm trying to make you understand is that anywhere you see election today, I, let me tell you, Maker, 
I was part of a person I did. I'm a living witness. Years back, I was an electoral officer. I was to conduct election in a particular polling unit. And this is what is typically what happened in this country. If it is PDP, if it is uh, APC, everybody was will do what he would do or label whoever to read and to make sure that he gets there. Mm. We, we, can we have a system where we do election without all? But 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 but, but Barista, um, like, like Professor said, um, the last um, governorship election, at least from the ones we witnessed here in the state. Was it so much a function of they not having the ability to rig it or the process and the people being transparent enough and involved enough that it was impossible for them? Of course, I think in any democratic process, people would want to rig. It's normal. Everybody wants to retain power. So don't you think the process has improved in such a way that we as people can now have our voices heard. Of course, prior to um, this um, election, we always wanted to, in 20, 2019, we had our voices, didn't we? 20, 2015, rather, Nigerians wanted the change of government, and it happened. In 2019, some said it didn't happen, but we had 2015. We also somewhat have it in 2023. Don't you think that the process of electioneering pre-post, you know, and even during election has improved enough that we can give it some pass mark? Yeah, we did. That's what I'm telling you. I said, we making progress like we said but my only fear is that in our democratic journey we must look at what the reason why u.s is 250 years we talk about democracy and things like that they have made a point and have reached actually a position that we can say these people have really achieved and have arrived it's simply because their foundation from the onset onset or outset was was laid solidly our own my only fear with our own is that we must go back to the basis because it's a journey you begin so, so, you, so, so you think the basis, the basis is, is flawed? Exactly. Our foundation. That's what I'm telling you. And I've said it and I'll continue to say it. There are things we need to revisit our foundation of democracy. All right, and well, if we continue on that, it's going to help us. So, but as it is now, mm. if we are going to go on the trajectory that we are, on this path, and we continue on it, we are building on the wrong foundation. Professor there Shaya. are things that we must shape. Okay, um, Pastor Bauer, hold on. I was going to ask you, and he talked about our democratic process its foundation being flawed. Um, also, and this is something I picked up in having read up about um, um, Ghana's democratic process, you know, till now. And there were some interesting um, things I found out, but just so we don't get into history lessons. Do you think compared to countries like Ghana, we have, our democratic process have gotten there? And you also made mention about how we are still young in a democracy. But there are also people who say to you, look at Rwanda, they are not practicing the democracy, but they are lots more progressive than we are, given where they came from, you know, after the 1994 genocide. Do you think first that we have progressed in relative to other African countries who started with us? And do you also hold those the opinion that democracy for Africa is, is not a sustainable enough political process that we can grow as a people? Ah, that's a big one. Um, let me just start from where Barista uh, Bauer left off. What has, he- what, what has happened in this last election, which to me is the most gratifying, is the citizens' participation. Citizens are now owning the process. They are not just relying on INEC to do the right thing. Yes. People are insisting that the right thing should be done. What happened in Kano? also happened here in Joss. Joss, yes. You couldn't get to that INEC office from any angle without going through roadblocks set up by, by people. the citizens. And they were searching people. So it became clear to everybody, this road, this uh, NASCO, uh, this uh, road here, 
uh, road was blocked by youth. At my polling unit, I'm not, I, I usually, I stay from start to finish. I had to buy cable so that they would bring light in the night because they came late. We provided electricity. We provided food. I put the ballot boxes in my car as usual. Every election, I'm nominated by the community to carry the, the, the INEC officials and the ballot boxes to the, to the collation center. center. We insisted on the, on the uploading there. of the results. Not on the portal because they couldn't get to the portal, but at least they uploaded it into the beaver in the beavers. The yes. man had to, the presiding officer had to open the beavers for us. We saw the, the SIM card, we saw why it wasn't working. Somebody brought out a, an MTN SIM card and put it inside. We cross checked, and it I was gratified. My children were there to do the IT, also, they are flu- good with IT. So, the citizens have taken over the process. So, going forward now is going to be difficult and then the game changer also is the beavers let's give it to INEC How, unless you, you steal the beavers that's what they're doing now yes. you have to you steal want to happen here in but so long as the beavers is loaded <laughs> the number of accredited voters you can't change it so I want to see how this process was manipulated and that will come out in court and I'm hoping that they would they would uh, they would allow these court processes to be transmitted live, so that we can follow what happened, mm. if indeed this process can be compromised. So that's uh, I'm sorry I forgot. Yeah, you. question related to Ghana. Have you made progress? Well, and Ghana, do you think that we should all, change see, our democratic let system? Let us compare oranges with oranges. How many Ghanaians are there? Is it, is it a function but of people? It is. It's a function of the size and complexity of the country. When you're comparing a country of 10 million people with 200 million, the pro- problems are multiplied a number of times. So uh, uh, organizing an election in Ghana may not be much more than organizing one in Plateau State, for example, or Rwanda, of 5 million people. You are dealing with a country of over 200, 200 million people spread over <laughs> from the desert to the ocean, and you think it's going to be easy to organize, and the people are different. Mm. Anywhere you go in the world, they'll tell you Nigeria is a different species. <laughs> Our people are more vocal, they're less ready to, to, to compromise, they're less ready to, 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 to allow things to happen. That is the difference. The, average, the moment you enter these West African countries, you find that the people, their attitude is different. They're more disciplined. They will join lines. They will not question anybody. They take orders. And is that a function of their educational system and the innate people themselves? Nigerians are different. Whether we like it or not, the first thing out of a Nigerian's mouth is why. Why I will we'll jump the queues. We will be everywhere. So we have that peculiarity. And um, I think it is still possible for us to 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 organize to be more organized um if we get the right kind of leadership and we've seen it happen in the past why was buhari re-elected 35 years after because when they came into power we saw a glimpse of discipline and nigerians were happy with it for the first time in 1983 people would queue up we saw it during muta last time in 75 
Nigerians yearn for discipline, but we don't get it. Is it? Is it? I, I was going to ask, and, and this question might not be in line with the conversation. But when when you say things like we yearn for discipline, especially when those discipline came in the military era. Is it now out of place for people to say, hey, since the best of the disciplined Nigeria came under these people, is it not best for us to return to them to at least get a semblance of discipline before I return to a process that allows everybody to do what they have to do? Well, it's the cost. The cost of military rule is, is just not... It uh, doesn't make it worthwhile. Mm. Because it's the same thing we're talking about fascism. That is when a single individual's opinion or, or a, you know, counts more than everybody else's. Are we ready for that? Oh, yes, Louis Aaron. If you have a benevolent leader, and that is what has helped the Asian countries and China, one man, if you have one good dictator or whoever, he can change the course of a country. China had Mao Zedong, and he was focused, he was disciplined, and he changed the course of the country from a backward, underdeveloped country <laughs> to the to powerhouse area. But do you know how many lives it cost? I was going to ask you, sorry to cut you short, uh, before because of our want of time, I have to question about democratic process. I have listened to some Pan-African commentators and intellectuals talk about how Africa as a continent is not designed to be democratic. Do you hold such opinions? No, I'm not you. at all. And Pastor Bauer, do you think that we are, as a, as a people, our values, our cultures, is, are not designed for democratic rule? No, it's, I don't agree with that. And, and let me say this quickly. For me, my view is the fact that we need to have Nigeria, like Prof said, issue of discipline is there. But I, let me give you a simple, I wish there is time. We lack <coughs> what I call ethical structure. Our value system. We need to revisit all those issues. And it starts with the leaders. Where we have, anywhere you've traveled or you've gone outside Nigeria, when they said, because I, I, I've met, and I think, uh, probably remember, we traveled together with him two years ago. Uh, if you go to a place where there is already sanity, Nigeria immediately will comply. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What is By the time you come back to Nigeria, you just see rowdiness, lack of discipline here and there. Now, it starts with a leader. For instance, let me give you a simpler example. If we have today a governor on the plateau that he will simply, simply obey traffic rule, people will begin to kill him. True. Simple. True. And even if we are 100 million people, people and kill. you are going to be these as, as leaders we have, you don't want, whether it's going to favor you or not, you want to do the right thing. Integrity of the system is there. You are sincere as a leader. Things will begin to fall in place. Mm. All right. Um, because of once of time, this conversation probably would have gone on for another hour. But hey, we need to speak your calls and read your comments on Facebook. The phone lines are open. 081-2187-777 or is the number to call in. And share your thought with us. Hello, good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Your name and where you're calling us from? Yeah, my name is Comrade Matthew Patrick Okoro Kraf. I'm calling from Blue Educational Center, Village and Anglosas. Good morning, gentlemen in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. You see, the problem we have in Nigeria is that leaders that go to the office don't have agenda. If they have agenda, I'll bet you get the best. And two things affect Nigerian politics, power and money. We are making reference to Ghana. We are talking about population of Ghana. Ghana is maybe it's above 10 million. 
But the question is, before the election, the president said, he's not ready for any prophecy. Any prophecy you have as a man of God or geo or geo, anything you call yourself, keep it to yourself. Does it happen in Nigeria? And we're talking about Rwanda. Look at what is happening in Rwanda. The president said, Kigama said, that was uh, last week, that he's going to retire and to become a journalist. It's not a question of say that we're going to work for us to see what's happening. Now, can we have that one in, in Nigeria? Now, issue is this. If we want to move forward, we should say bye-bye to some of the soil, tribe, religion, tribalism, sectionalism. If we cannot say bye-bye to all those gentlemen, let us not waste our time. I'm talking about it now. We cannot get it best. All right, then. These are the things that is destroying Nigerian politics. All right. If somebody comes, even to ordinary state, it must be my time. Thank you so much, Marcy. God bless all of us. Happy God bless you. Happy Easter to you. Um, this, I don't know if, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to delve into some aspects of the conversation, but I'm going to ask you, maybe 30 seconds. Do you think it's possible for us to be detribalized as a people? Like, oh, I'm just first Nigerian before I am Igbo or before I am Angas or before I am Mugovo. Is it possible at all in Nigeria for us to be first Nigerians before we are tribes? It is possible. You see, we must remove the, the structures within our constitution that emphasize tribalism. We must remove every trace of that kind of identity in all that we do. When you start with indigenous form, a child that was born in Jaws, grew up in Jaws, knows nothing but Jaws. When it comes to uh, getting into university, they ask him for indigenous form, and he has to travel to some other state. Yeah, his but country doesn't know, doesn't who, know about Who have indoctrinated him. Mm. Suddenly he realizes, oh, this is where I come from. from. And he goes there, and nobody knows him. And he has to defend himself there. This is how we introduce all these concepts into our family, our children. And it's wrong. Meritocracy is what we should aim for. That should be ideal. We shouldn't even have tribe religion on any form. Anywhere you go, nobody should ask you your tribe or religion. Ambassador Baba, your thoughts? Yeah, actually, I just want to align myself with him. And the word that I am so happy that he has been on my mind is to say that if we begin to treat people that you are in Nigeria first, our Nigerianness, marriage should be the basis. And I don't care. For me, as it is now, we have a leader without even revisiting the constitution to remove those things. It's the way and the manner of life that you live. For instance, I told him, I said, for governor of the plateau, for instance, you're going to appoint someone that you know has capacity to change the health sector, to change the tourism. Forget about where he's coming from. What is his, is it, does, it, does he merit it? He did. Can he have, does he have capacity? We will change all those things. But there are some people that I tell you that they are so, in fact, I call them ethnic bigots. They, everything about them, like, like Prof said, I've been on the plateau for 35 years. I have never claimed to come and to be on it, just like, like, because anytime, up to, to now, even as a lawyer, so people still look at me that he's not an indigent, he's not this and this. Those kind of people cannot change this country. All right. Um, this conversation obviously cannot finish today. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Your name and where you're calling us from? Hello, good morning. Good morning, we can hear you. Hello, good morning. Good morning, can you hear me? Happy to try to call me back. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Eneka. Good morning, your name and where you're calling me from? Eneka, this is Ajud, sir. Ajud, sir, please go with your contribution. Eneka, I'm just in the house. 
Uh, happy Easter to you all. Happy Easter. Um, please, the volume of your radio, can you please turn it off? Thank you very much. Uh, Mecca, what I have to say this morning, this administration, more especially APC party, they brought division in this country so badly. Uh, um, hold on, hold on, Jude. Jude, hold on. I'm, I'm listening Jude, to you. Jude, hold on. All right. So are you saying that prior to the APC, we were united people? Absolutely, you might know what I'm talking about. I don't, that's what I'm asking you. That's the truth. You have said it. Were we united before APC? Paul? Okay, before APC, we're united people. Let me tell you, uh, my brother, Mecca. You know, before they they formed this party, yes, and uh, during their campaign, no type of words they did not use to win this election. Okay, I'm telling you, even. The clergymen have already said it. We have more divided more than ever. Are we? That's the truth of the matter. Uh, um, hold on, they hold come. on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm listening to you. So, so Jude, uh, I, of course, we don't have a lot of time, so I might not ask you all the questions I want to ask you. Before the APC, did we have tribes in Nigeria? We have tribes. Hold on. Before, so hold on, hold on. Tribes. Before the APC, were we zoning to tribes and regions? Uh, my brother, do you know where why? Were we zoning? We are not zoning, but you know why they decided to start this zoning of 18? Okay. When this administration came into power, most of the important positions, the, uh, can, can I say the Northern Elite hijacked oh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. The appointment okay. made. That was why people decided to say, this is my arm, this okay. is my arm. This and that. All right, all right, Jude. Right, thank you for your contribution. Don't we don't have you, enough time. Brother. Thank you so much. Our final call this morning. Hello, good morning. Uh, good morning, America. Good morning. Your name and where you're calling us from? Thank you. Good morning. The girls in the studio. Musa Ike Kalu calling you from Angorogo. All right, Musa Ike Kalu. The question we should be asking ourselves as Nigerians is: Is the environment conducive for any transformation? What do you mean by what, what, do, what, do, what do you mean by that question? We are talking about Rwanda, Ghana, and all these things. Do you hear any host community in Ghana? Their problem is all about Ghana. Is there anybody that is being told not to vote because of his tribe or any other thing anywhere he takes in Ghana because he's this tribe or that tribe? That is our problem. Today we are talking about INEC commissioner. If you send you another person to do it, is that person willing to do it as Nigerians? Who recruits the adult staff? Who changes those that are being you trained to, to manage the, the, the river? It's the same Nigerians. So our attitude is really taking its court or not. Mm-hmm. It's only in Nigeria that you build the nation into a nation. You are a Yoruba nation, you are an Igbo nation, you are an Alpha nation. Which one are you patriotic to? Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Um, I think I think I think this conversation about identity is something we have to revisit, you know, and have extensive time to talk about it. So unfortunately for us, um, they give us only one half today, about five minutes even. On Facebook, the comment here: Kevin Lewis then Shark says, "I think Nigerians are not concerned about the internal wranglings in the various political parties, rather than getting the real dividend of democracy. Anyways, whosoever that have been that have been pronounced the president-elect either by hook or by crook should endeavour to do the needful." 
by addressing the pains and hardship that the present government has inflicted on Nigerians. That will change the narrative in general and Nigerians can decide to trust the government again. Felkuka Factors Guwon says, there is no progress yet as the political office holders are only accumulating the national kick only for their relations. Dan Fulani Benjamin Paul says, no any progress, no progress in Nigerian democracy. Rati Sulei says, the fascism I read I read on in the 1940s in Italy is not anywhere near what we experience here. Secondly, Barrister, does that mean we don't have a court a court speedy process that will determine all election matters before swearing in to avoid distraction once people are sworn in. Well, according to the electoral law, it's supposed to be 180 days, so um, it all depends on what the court wants to do. Sunday Moses Evi Evi says, It's very unfortunate that the professors we see as role models are now the people being used by their students to rig elections. Where was Wole Shoinka during the NSAS? Where was he when worshippers were attacked in our church? We don't have sincere professors. Okay, this is quite a generalistic um, Sunday. Inyam Johanna says, Good morning and happy Easter. Please, Barista Bauer, should should shed more light on the allegations that the PDP um, on the plateau has unconstitutional leadership that may affect positions one ahead of the tribunal cases. We'll have to do that some other time, not today, obviously. Alexander Edwin Nnamani says, the overheating in the polity is certainly expected as the last presidential election was to a good percentage on, tri- tri- on tribal lines. The process wasn't bad, but the people responsible for the process have questions to answer on why the process failed in a crucial part of the election. Don Chuck Maxwell finally says the policy is boiling is at boiling points with threat of treason hanging on the LP candidates. Fabricated interim government rumor all by the APC. And um, we don't have any more comments. Let me see if I have many more comments on Twitter. I think that's about all the comments we have on Facebook and social media. Um, in the last 30 seconds, um, Barista Bauer and Professor Ishaya, I was going to ask you, do you feel that where we are right now in the next four years we would have made progress? Or in the words of you know, Professor Wale Shoinka, we are still going in circles? I think we're making progress and um, I think it's going to get better whoever becomes president. And um, I'm an incurable optimist when it comes to Nigeria. Mm. We should all play our own part and get involved. All right, Mr. Bauer, your, your thoughts? Well, let me say this quickly. What, what people have had this view, and are still on to this view, that for the past eight years, and that's why one of the callers was saying, our diversity has been grossly mismanaged by the current administration. Mm. And those are, whatever it is, it depends on the parameters or the answer we're going to do to judge that. But I think the Herculean tax before whoever assumes and uh, as it is now obviously there's going to be a swearing 29 there's going to be a swaji tunubu to that what he needs to is to make sure that he was able to manage our diversity mm. and that's why i think he's clamoring for having a national government of national unity trying to incorporate and include everybody all inclusive <coughs> government by the time we continue that like like uh, we, we we've agreed now that the citizens are, are owning the process when it comes to election and there's active participation which is one of the political uh, development that we continue to record. Nigeria is going to be better. Mm. And I know that one day things are going to 
little change. All right. Very optimistic about that. Thank you so much, Professor Ishaya Pam and Barrister Kuba for gracing the show this morning. And this has been Lesh Talk and J101.9 FM. Join us bright and early tomorrow morning as we give you the morning, Jay, with all the beauty and all the love we have for you. Happy Easter to every Christian out there and to our Muslim brothers. Happy Ramadan to you. Hey, like I always say, stay out of trouble and spread love.